Well, good morning, everybody. I didn't bring my triple personality this morning, so I'll put these down. Although me, myself, and I came, but put these down so we can see. This is the first time I've been here to preach since the last time I was here, so it's good to be back. And um, thank you for having me come and share. I don't know how many of you know me. Um, They're probably not here today. But for the rest of you, um, I work with an organisation called Word of Life Ministries, and we're involved in discipling and evangelising youth uh, through all sorts of means and also training youth leaders. And we're excited about what God is doing through our ministry. And um, we're based here in Hamilton, um, over at Dinsdale, and we work all around the country. And it's been cool just to see how God is using us and helping young people to come to know Christ and helping them to be discipled. And I have a great team of people who work with me, which might surprise some of you, but it's um, God is gracious. Used to have old dear Frank over here, used to work with me, but um, we're still good friends, which is good. Let's just, um, I believe that Philip has good prayers, but I want to pray too. Um, But I'm going to ask that you pray this morning and ask God to share with you something for your heart today. I don't know why you're here. I don't know if you normally come to church. I don't know if... Um, you come here because other people expect you to come. I don't know if you came here because your husband made you or your wife made you or your kids or you were told by your parents you must come. Um, I don't know why you're here, but I know that the Spirit of God is here this morning and he would want to draw us closer to him, reveal something of himself to us today or remind us about a truth we maybe already know. And so... Would you just ask God just in one moment of time just to pray and ask him to speak into your heart today and challenge your heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody who's gathered here today. You know each heart that's gathered here. You know my heart today. Lord, I pray that as we um, think about your word, as we think about what you want us to know, that you would challenge our hearts and help us to stop and think about our lives and how short they very, they very, they are. So, Lord, I ask that you would speak into my heart today in Jesus' name. Amen. I've appointed my, I mean, I've entitled my message today, The Certainties of Life. It's really kind of uh, your elders to give me a great passage to speak on, Genesis chapter 5. And you'll all be familiar with Genesis chapter 5. It's the genealogies, and I've been waiting some 30 years for someone to ask me to speak on the genealogies. So I just really honour your elders here today for asking me to speak on the genealogies. I'm I'm sure it will not bore you. (laughs) But there are three words in that that chapter which say this, and they died. (laughs) Here endeth the message. (laughs) But it's interesting as we think about... um, The certainties of life, there are four things that I want to share with you today as we go through the message. Um, I came across this article this week, a friend of mine who writes for a Christian magazine, he wrote this article and I found it on Facebook actually, and um, Joy, I suggest that you get your grandchildren to take you to Facebook and they will find that girl that you're missing probably. Okay, there's a little idea for you, the girl you can't find or the person you can't find. Every other person's on Facebook today. You can find them. But I, I want to read this little article out to you. I thought it was pretty fascinating and yet quite challenging as well in some ways. Death, it's entitled, Death Smells Like Cat Food. In a rest home in Rhode Island, there is a cat in and of itself. That is nothing too exciting. 
But this cat, Oscar, has a gift that almost seems unbelievable. He purrs, he meows, he gets hairballs, presumably, and enjoys sleeping by the fire. But Oscar the cat also has an uncanny ability that seems straight out of the Stephen King novel, Oscar Can Sense Death. Adopted as kitten from an animal shelter, Oscar grew up in the dementia unit in the Steary Steerhouse Nursing and Rehabilitation Centre, an aged care home that describes itself as a pet friendly. But the staff and doctors notice that Oscar makes his own rounds, sniffing and observing patients before curling up and sleeping next to one. Within a few hours, that patient would pass away and Oscar would get up and leave. Within the next four... Within the first four years, Oscar had accurately predicted 50 patient deaths, with few false calls in the mix. Several different experts have weighed in on how Oscar is able to sense death, with some suggesting it is an, it is an ability to smell a death chemical that humans have not observed yet. Regardless, now when Oscar is discovered sleeping, sorry, regardless, now when Oscar is discovered sleeping with a patient, the staff will call the family and encourage him to come and be with their loved one. Kind of interesting, I thought, done about you, but I don't know how many of you have got cats. Um, but if they come and sleep on the end of your bed at night, maybe take a little notice. So what would you do if you awoke tomorrow to discover Oscar at your door? How would you respond to the news of your impending end? A scratch, a pitiful meow, and suddenly your mortality is staring you down. What would be your response to that? Your life is coming to an end. And so death is not really a healthy thing to talk about. Most of us don't want to talk about it. And man will usually do whatever he can to preserve himself from coming to that point of actually passing from this, this earth. I was talking to a nurse the other day, and she found it interesting in the different responses of people on death's door. Christians seem far less agitated than non-Christians. In my family, I'm one of ten children and have two parents, a father and a mother. And um, in my lifetime, I've only been faced with death twice within my own family. Just last week, my dad died. Last week, was it? The week before he died. We had the funeral last Saturday. And then two and a half years ago, my mum died. And so death has kind of like never stared me in the face, not even for myself, really, until um, my mum died two and a half years ago. And that was a sad day because my mum was, was one of the great prayer warriors of this world. But I wonder whether you've stopped and thought about death very much. Some of you have been confronted with it just recently. Some of you have had to um, consider it even for your own lives when God has then preserved you and kept you going. But I want us to think about not death necessarily, but the certainties of life, and death is one of those certainties of life. And you read Genesis chapter 5, and apparently none of those people are living anymore. <laughs> They've all died. Everybody that's ever been written about in the past comes to a point in their life where they die. But as we think about life, as we think about the certainties of life, the first thing I want us to consider this morning and that is life is brief. 
I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to, to Psalm 39. If you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, this was God's book. This is the Word of God. This is the creator of the universe through various means, put this book together, inspired it by, the, by his spirit, and he put it together so that we might understand life, that we might come to terms with him as the creator God, and what is the purpose for us living on this earth. If you are here as a visitor today and you've never taken one of these books and read it, I encourage you to, to ask the person next to you um, to give, ask them if you could have a Bible so you can start reading about what God's design is for your life. In Psalm chapter 90 and verse 12, it says, the, the, the psalmist says this, So teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. I don't know whether you have a calendar and you mark off every day how many days of your life that you've lived. But life is very brief. Let's read from Psalm 39, verses 4 through 6. Lord, make me to know my end, the psalmist says, and what is the measure of my days, that I might know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadth, and my ages as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but vapour. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. When you think about life, you know, I think often in life we walk this, this earth and we travel this earth and we live for today and what is before us today. Not many of us will consider, hey, I think I've got about 20 years to live and I wonder what that's going to amount to. I don't think we think about that enough. And often we just, whatever is before me, that's what we live about. We're busy with our children. We're busy with our jobs. We're busy with life. We're busy with people. But as I consider even my short life of 21 years, I think of, you know what, it's gone very, very quickly. You think I'm looking old for 21, don't you? And I am because I'm 56. But as I look back on my years, I, I work with teenagers and I can remember yesterday, I can remember right now what it was like 40 years ago for me. It seems like just a click of the fingers and time is gone. We laid uh, my dad to rest last week. It was a sad day, and yet it was a happy day. Not a happy day, a day of celebration, really, because he's gone back to be with the Lord. Taken from a suffering body to go back to be with the Lord and to be with the woman that he married many years ago, whom he loved. But I think of life and, and we look back on photographs of dad and I think, man, I can remember those photographs some 50 years ago and, and life has just gone like that. And we have to, the Bible encourages us, the psalmist encourages us to number our days because life is brief. And I wonder whether you've stopped long enough to consider that even this last week, even this last fortnight, even this last month or this last year. Life is brief. Turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 12. As we consider that life is brief, Jesus tells the story of, of the man here in, in Luke chapter 12 who considers that life is more than something that has to be feared or it's just something to be lived for today. And in verse 20, 19, 
as Jesus tells the story of verse 16, maybe we should start there. And then Jesus spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And the thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those be which you have provided? So as he lay... So is he who lays up treasure for himself, who is not rich towards God. He was a man who built up all of these things for himself. And he's thinking, what shall I do with all this wealth that I have? I'm going to build some bigger barns. And God says to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. You know, my dad lived to be nearly 94 and a half he was when he died. And you know, in the last eight months, he's been in hospital and I didn't recall him once saying to me, Tom, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with my wealth. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with um, the things that I've built up over these years. I would like to be able to take them in that little box with me when I leave this earth. I didn't hear Dad talking about that stuff. Because you know, it it was worth nothing to him at the end of time. Yes, I think he had, he had laid up some treasures on this earth and he'd, built a, he'd had a couple of farms and they, he'd, he'd been able to leave them to the family. But you know, it wasn't concerning him. What was ahead of him was more concerning him. And he knew that many, many years ago, back in his 30s, he had made a decision to trust Jesus Christ. And so what was before him, he did not fear. But I know that my dad and my mum were not building up treasures on this earth so they could build bigger barns. That was not their emphasis of life. And yet, you know what? We can get so caught up in this earth that the things of this world, the material issues of this world can catch us up. And so that becomes our focus. Folks, we need to understand life is brief and can be taken from you at any moment of time. Last Saturday, we buried my dad. That afternoon, my cousin, a couple of my cousins were there and my auntie and uncle were there and they went to visit um, their brother, my, um, my cousin's husband who was in hospital. He was in Palmerston North and he was working away there and uh, he was staying in a motel and he walked up these stairs in the motel and he had tripped and broken his ankle. Gone into hospital and... His uh, wife had been up at five o'clock on Saturday to visit him. She says, I think I'll go back to the motel now. I'm pretty tired. She'd been there all day. Goes back to the motel. An hour later, the hospital rings. He should get up to the hospital right away. She gets up to the hospital and finds her husband dead. Just in his 50s. Young man. No plan to die that day. He'd had a heart attack. Died. They couldn't resuscitate him. You know, life is brief and we need to start thinking seriously as we are thinking about our lives, about what is my life, what about the brevity of my life and what am I doing with my life for for eternity? The second point I want us to think about is this, is not only is life brief, but death is a certainty. 
Death is a certainty. Genesis chapter 5 says this, and they died. What an inspiring passage of Scripture. Yes, there's much in that Scripture that if you do some study, you'll find that it's actually quite fascinating. But those three words, and they died, are very important to understand. Ecclesiastes 3.2 says this, there is a time to be born and a time to die. Don't fear death. Don't run away from death. It's coming to you. Prepare for death. Death is a certainty. Hebrews 9.27 says this, It is appointed unto man once to die. It is appointed unto man once to die, and woman as well, and boys and girls. It's appointed unto everybody once to die. And then it says this, and after that, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear the second time apart from sin for salvation. I've yet to meet a human being on this earth who's never died, an eternal one. I don't know about you. Have you met anyone that's lived forever on this earth? No. It's appointed unto man once to die. It appears to me that we just can't make it no matter how hard we try. No matter how hard we try, we just can't make it on this earth. It's like it because that's what God says. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. There are doctors and there are medical people that are, that are seeking to keep us alive as long as they can and they're producing all sorts of wonderful uh, pills and, and remedies to help us live longer and I think in some ways that's good. Do you know that it's amazing that even doctors die? <laughs> even doctors die. Apparently every, every, one in every doctor dies. Apparently, they're the amazing statistics you'll find. If that is the case, if one in every person dies, have you prepared for death? Are you ready for death? When I was 13, I made a decision to trust Jesus Christ as my personal saviour from sin. And I've never had a doubt since that I'm, that I'm um, not prepared for death. I am prepared for death. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid to die. I love living. I really love life. I enjoy life. And I actually want to hang around for a bit. (laughs) But you know, if the Lord should take me, I'm not so concerned about that because he's going to take care of what I leave behind. But I want to ask you today, are you prepared to die? Are you ready for death? The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. There is a payment for sin. The Bible says that the soul that sins, it shall die. Ezekiel chapter 18 says that. The soul that sins, it shall die. There's a physical death and there's a spiritual death. And each one of us are born spiritually dead. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God forever. And today, if death is a certainty, are you ready for death? You all know that death is a certainty. But I wonder, have you prepared well for eternity? Have you prepared well for death? Are you sure that you're prepared well? 
Because there are many people I talk to, <clears throat> you know what, they hope they're prepared well. I hope I've prepared well. Where do you think you'll go when you die? Well, I think I'll go to heaven. Well, why do you think you'll go to heaven? Well, I'm actually a very good person. Really? So do good people go to heaven? You see, and so in our minds, sometimes we're convinced about something, but is it really the truth? The truth is a soul that sins, it shall die. The physical us is going to die one day. The spiritual us is actually going to live on forever. But the spiritual us needs to be ready for a spiritual eternity, whether apart from God in hell or with God in heaven. Death is a certainty. Have you prepared for death? The second thing about that is that this is that life after death is a certainty. Life after death is a certainty. How do I know that? Well, I haven't actually died to find out, but you see, I started my message this morning by saying I believe this book to be true. I believe it to be the Word of God, and I believe that the Bible tells us that life after death is a certainty. A man did a, a um, famous preacher did a survey amongst a number of old people uh, many years ago. And one of the questions that he asked these people was this. Um, tell me, what would you do differently if you had your time over again? And one of the things that these people said this, they said this, I would do more things that lived on after I died. Think about that for a moment. I would do more things that lived on after I died. If we think about life being brief, if we think about death being a certainty, is there things that we can do today that can actually live on after we die? Because the Bible says that life after death is actually a certainty. Jesus told a story in Luke chapter 16. Turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. He told the story about the rich man and Lazarus here in Luke chapter 16. Jesus told many parables and Parables were stories that Jesus used to illustrate a point. And people sometimes refer to this as a parable. This is not a parable. This is a real happening because Jesus uses a name in here. You'll find that in the parables, he doesn't use a personal name. But we find here in Luke chapter 16 and verse 19, Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and in fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, 
nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Jesus tells a story here about the certainty of death, the confrontation of death and what happens after death. And here is the rich man in a place of torment, crying out to Lazarus or crying out to Abraham, Abraham, let me um, feel a dip of water on my tongue. Think about life after death. There is a certainty of life after death. We are not just like an animal and we go to the grave and that's the end. When I went and I saw my dad in his little box last week, no, dad was not there. The case that had held him for 94 and a half years was there. That kind of wasn't in the same shape as it was 50 years ago. It kind of got withered up and it was not much point and it couldn't hold him anymore. But dad was not there. He had gone to be somewhere else. The case was there, but he had moved on. Folks, all of us are just encased in this body. This is not the real me. You can't see the real me. The real me is on the inside. And God sees you. And that real me will go one day into eternity either to a place of torment the Bible calls hell or to heaven itself to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, the very Son of God who died on the cross for me. Death is a certainty. Life after death is a certainty. Hebrews 9.27, It is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.9 and 10 says, Whether we are present or absent, it talks about that. This word about, this, if you think about the word absent, it talks about, hey, not being present, doesn't it? <laughs> so whether we're present here or whether we're absent, if we're absent, what does that mean? It means we're not here. Smart, eh? You didn't realise I was a smart. But it means that we're somewhere else, whether we're at present or absent from this earth. Paul is saying, hey, we're eternal beings. We might be present here or we might be absent. We might be some other place. Psalm 49 verse 10 says, For he sees wise men die, likewise the fool and the senseless person perish, and leave their wealth to others. Verse 11, Their inner thought is that their houses will last forever, their dwelling places to all generations, they call their lands after their own names. Verse 12, Nevertheless, man, though in honour does not remain, he is like the beasts that perish. Verse 13, This is a way of those who, who are foolish and of their posterity who approve their sayings. Selah. Like sheep they are laid in the grave, death shall feed on them. The up, upright shall have dominion over them in the morning and their beauty shall be consumed in the grave far from their dwelling. Verse 15, Get this, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Right through the Scriptures, we have people talking about life beyond the grave. 
And here we've talked a story here in Luke chapter 16 of the rich man and Lazarus in two places where they are. There's a great gulf fixed between them and you cannot cross from one to the other. If life after death is a certainty, how have you prepared for death? How have you prepared for eternity beyond the grave? It's important that we do prepare because life after death is a certainty. And then finally, accountability has its reward. You see, it's not only life after death and then we go off to heaven, but you know what? There's accountability after death. We have to give an account of our lives. Hebrews 9.27, For it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. You know, one of the great things about being a child of the living God is that we are not going to be judged for our sins. You need to get that and you need to get that right. Right? There is no judgment for my sin if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Because why we have accepted the judgment that when Jesus Christ died on that cross some 2,000 years ago, he took the judgment for my sin. It was placed, my sin was placed upon Jesus so that I would not have to bear that judgment. And in understanding that, we've responded to that and said, thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. Have you ever done that? Have you ever stopped and said, thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me? Thank you that you bore the judgment for me that I should have borne. Because it's as simple as that. It's coming to a point of understanding that, hey, I'm a sinner, separated from God because of my sin. I cannot get to heaven by myself. But there was one holy one, one who had never sinned, Jesus Christ, who stood between me and the gates of heaven, and he took the punishment for my sin. And when I accepted him when I was 13, he gave me eternal life, and that will never be taken away from me. And so I will not be judged for my sin when I leave this earth. Why? Because Jesus Christ has already been judged for me and I accepted his judgment for me. And you know what? This morning I was here. I don't know if you were here this morning, but we remembered how Jesus Christ died and we took the bread and we took the cup. And that reminded us about how Jesus suffered for our sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And so one day there is going to be judgment. There has been a judgment, but there will be a judgment to come as well. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal saviour from sin, you know what? There's coming a day when judgment will come upon you and you'll have to stand before the Son of God and give an account for your life. And if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, as Revelation 20 tells us, you know what? You're going to be cast into the lake of fire forever. Not my words but the words of Jesus Christ himself. What a terrible thing, what a terrible day that would be. And do you know if you're sitting here this morning, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you know what, you need to get that sorted out today. Because you cannot guarantee a moment, another moment of time in your life. You could walk out these doors today and you could die. You could die right where you're sitting right now. And that's the only opportunity you would have of trusting in Jesus right now, this moment of time. And I can't imagine what it would be like playing with time and playing with life and playing with the words of God and saying, well, maybe another day I will trust Jesus Christ as my Saviour from sin. 
When the only option is that if you do not trust Him and your life is taken from you, you will end up in eternity in hell forever and ever and ever and ever. Folks, this is a major warning I give you today. Don't play with death. Don't play with the words of God. You need to trust in Jesus Christ today. But I want us, as those of you who are Christians here today, and there's probably a number of you here today, Take your Bibles and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for one moment. Second Corinthians chapter 5, and you're familiar with these verses, but I want us to think about them for just a moment this morning. Verse 9, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, that is Christ. Get this, verse 9, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 11 says this, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. There is coming a day when each one of us as Christians have got to face the judgment seat of Christ. The moment you pass from death into the next life, you're going to have to at some point face the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. What have you done with your life? See, it's not about being judged for your sin. Why? Because we already decided that Jesus Christ has already paid for my sin. So I'm not going to be judged for my sin. And that does not mean that as a Christian we take sin carelessly. We need to be serious about sin. We need to be serious about saying no to sin. We need to be serious about deciding on the things that, that would um, drag us down and saying, Lord, no more of that. I want to honour you and please you with my life. But the question is that God has given us gifts. And if you go to Romans 14, he talks about making sure that we serve God. So what are you doing for Jesus Christ today? Because one day, Christian person, you are going to be judged for how you lived your life before God and with the gifts and abilities he's given you. See, it's very nice to be able to sign on the dotted line and say, you know what, I became a Christian when I was 13 years of age. And I know for certain that I'm going to go to heaven one day. And then we sit down in our lazy boy chair and we relax. How cool is that? Very comfortable. We don't sin very much either. We're kind of like pretty holy. <laughs> but we're really like a stagnant smell to the Lord Jesus because we do nothing with what he's given to us. And he says, one day, one day you're going to stand before me and give an account for your life. And I wonder whether Revelation 21, where it says that he will wipe away all tears from their eyes, there's going to be tears in heaven, I believe. 
Tears of disappointment. Why did I not do something with my life while I had the opportunity to serve Jesus Christ? And every one of you, from the youngest to the oldest, will have to give an account of your life. What have you done for Jesus Christ? What are you doing for Jesus Christ? Because you must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for your life. And I wonder whether we don't think about this enough. I don't think we need to be paranoid about every day I must get out and serve Christ. It needs to be something that permeates our soul. It's what I want to do. I want to live for him. I need to be the best husband that I can be. I need to be the best wife I can be. I need to be the best father and mother and grandparent that I can be. I need to be the best brother or sister or uncle or auntie. I need to be the best servant in my workplace. And do you know what? I need to take what I know of the Word of God and I need to take it and share it with someone. Ross was just telling me before about a guy he goes and visits and he's got all these questions about Jesus and Ross is able to share with him about Jesus Christ. You know, the greatest joy I have in my life is when I have the opportunity to lead someone to Jesus Christ. There is no greater joy that comes to me. You know what? I enjoyed getting married a number of years ago and I enjoy living with my wife and I enjoy my ministry so much. But nothing greater than being able to lead someone to Jesus Christ. There's never been a greater opportunity for us as Christians to share the message of Jesus Christ with other people. There's never been so many distraught people in our society as today. There's never been so much brokenness in our society as today. And you know what? We Christians have got our, our lips sealed. We're afraid. We're afraid that we'll say the wrong thing. We're afraid to even say anything. We're afraid about what people will think about us. Wow, I wonder whether Jesus thought about that before he went to the cross. We've got to take life seriously, Christian folks. We've got to take seriously the time is short that Jesus Christ could return today and we will never have another opportunity to share Jesus with other people. Jesus could come today, you believe it? The Bible teaches that Jesus could come at any moment of time and then I have no more time to serve him because he's going to take me to be with himself. That'll be a great day. That'll be a glorious day. That'll be in the very presence of Jesus Christ himself. But please make the most of your time today. Redeem the, the time because the days are evil. Make the most of your time because one day Jesus will have you standing alone before him and you will have to give an account for your life. And you'll say, Frank, what have you done for me with your life? And the tape will roll, maybe for a time, maybe for a short time. Jeff, what have you done for, for me? Jack, what have you done? Bill, what have you done? Ross, what have you done? Sally, what have you done? Joy, what have you done? Your name will be called and you will stand before him to give an account for your life. And will there be tears rolling down your face thinking, you know what? I wasted a lot of my life. I wasted a lot of my life. I entertained myself. I made money for myself. I kept my, my mouth shut when someone wanted to know about Jesus. I remember as a young man, at, I was at a boarding school for four years in Fielding. I was a Christian, but not a very good Christian, if you can measure Christians. I know that I wasn't living for Jesus very well. 
And I remember being a dorm leader in my dorm and there were seven boys in that dorm with me. And one night they started to ask me about God and I was so ashamed of the way that I'd been living my life that I couldn't even tell them about how to know Jesus Christ. I look back on that day and that kind of torments me. It doesn't really, but it does. I think, wasted time, wasted life. Young person, there's never a greater opportunity to serve Jesus than today. And somewhere you've got to get over the fact of what other people think about you. So caught up in yourself that you're considering what other people think about you, you forget about what Jesus requires of you. Middle-aged person, older person, some of you are still caught up in that same trap about what other people think about you. And you live for others instead of living for Jesus Christ. It's time to live for Him. It's time to put Him first and say, it doesn't matter what other people think about me. It doesn't matter necessarily how whether people look at me and think I'm strange. It matters what Jesus thinks. It matters about whether someone else knows about Jesus or doesn't. You see, life is brief. But a moment of time and it passes. Talk to some of these older people here. They'll tell you that. I've known Uncle Jack down there for a number of years and he would tell me that life is brief, right, Uncle Jack? He was a young, sprightly young man. He tried to beat me at table tennis a number of years ago. Didn't quite make it. He might tell you a different story, but I know who you'd believe. (laughs) But you know what? Life is brief. Death is a certainty. Life after death is a certainty. It's because this book tells me that. Have you prepared well? Because one day you're going to have to give an account for your life. I'm going to ask you this morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal saviour from sin? Because if you don't know him today, you need to put your faith and trust in him. Because this is a matter of life and death. And if you're a Christian person this morning, are you living your life for him? Are you, have you given yourself in service to Jesus Christ? When you stand before him on the judgment day, are you, is he going to say to you, well done, you good and faithful servant? It's not about entering into the, the joy of the Lord or it's not about entering into heaven. It's about, hey, you know what? Is, it, is he going to present you with a crown? Not that I live my life for a crown, but is he going to say, well done? Or is he going to wipe away tears from our eyes because we're ashamed of how we lived our life? Christian, don't go through the motions of Christianity. It's not worth it. It's dead boring. It's the most unhappy, unhealthy Christian life you could ever live. You need to be in fellowship with him, serving him. And so my challenge to you today is, are you ready for when time should pass? And if time should pass today, are you proud of the way that you've lived your life? Are you confident about how you've lived your life before God? And if you've never trusted him as your personal saviour from sin, you need to do that today. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Let's all just bow our heads and close our eyes as we finish this service today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, which gives us um, an understanding of how life can be vital and fresh and, and can be worth living, can have purpose and direction. Heavenly Father, you explain to us about life and help us to understand that life is brief, that death is a certainty, that life after death is a certainty, 
and that one day we stand before you to give an account for our lives. Thank you for for the precious cross of Christ who, who died on that cross so that we could have eternal life. Folks, if you're here this morning, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin, that if life should pass from you today, you don't know whether you'd go to heaven. And you want to make sure about that. I want to give you an opportunity right now to trust him. Would you put your faith and trust in him? Just while all heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if today you want to make sure that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, would you just look up at me and raise your hand? I'd love to pray for you this morning. Is anybody in this building today who's not sure whether they're a believer in Jesus Christ? Thank you very much, young man. That's awesome. Is anybody else? If you're not sure that you're a Christian today, if you're not sure that you have faith in Jesus Christ or you're going to go to heaven when you die and you want to make sure about that today, just look up at me and raise your hand this morning. Is there anybody else? What if you're a Christian today and you're sitting here this morning and God has been speaking into your heart about how you're living your life and if today you feel ashamed to stand before Jesus by the way that you've been living your life or maybe you've been living your life for yourself and you're not living for him and you in your heart know that and today you just want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I'm going to live my life for you. I want to make my life count. And if God is speaking to you this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. If you're prepared to say, yes, Jesus, I want to surrender my heart and life to you, stand to your feet right now in dedication to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is all for you. Thank you. Just stay standing. Is there anybody else that wants, wishes to stand this morning? God has spoken into your heart. You want to surrender to him. You know you need to make your life count. Maybe you've been wandering away from the Lord Jesus. You've been pleasing yourself and there's stuff in your life that doesn't honour God today. He's calling you to surrender that to him. Would you do that and just stand to your feet right now? There's four people who have spoke, stood to their feet this morning. There's a young man at the back and Stephen and Frank and... Sorry, I've forgotten your name. But God hears your heart today. He hears your heart cry. He, he knows what you're thinking today. And today I just want to pray for you for and for this young man at the front here, who, young man in the white, what's his name? Philip, did you trust Jesus today? That's awesome. I just want to pray for you this morning. Almighty God, thank you for these four people and this young man at the front this morning that trusted you and these people that have surrendered their lives to you for service, Lord. You know what's going on in their heart and in their minds. Lord, take this surrendered heart and use it for your honour and glory, I pray. And for any others, Lord, in this audience today who have never trusted you as their saviour, oh God, I plead with you that they would not, that they would not leave this building without trusting you. And if there's other Christians here this morning, Lord, you've been speaking into their heart about stuff in their life that they need to surrender to you or their life that needs to be surrendered to you, Lord, help them to make that decision today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, if God um, has spoken into your heart and you just feel convicted about sin this morning, 
I would encourage you to, I'm going to be sitting at the front, come and talk to me or talk to someone that you know in this church who could just pray with you and help you. And for those of you who stood this morning, would you just find someone to pray with you this morning or come and pray with me at the end of the service? And um, I would love to do that for you. God bless you. Thank you very much for listening. And may you be spurred on to realise that life is very brief, that death is a certainty, that life after death is a certainty. And one day we all give an account for our lives. It's a serious moment of time. It's a serious thing to think about, but something to be not afraid of, but to embrace in our two hands. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. 